Welcome to R&R Showtime with Robert and Ryan. And today we will be discussing episode one of the new Loki series from Disney and Marvel. Marvel's Loki. On Disney Plus. Yes. <laughs> Starring Tom Hiddleston. Yes. In the first episode, Glorious Purpose. What a great name. For yeah. Me, like, yeah. As, as, we'll, as we'll see with the episode, uh, the name is... The name's funny because it, it kind of turned it, it, it's something that's turned on its head and we hear him say it a few times. But by the end of the episode, we're seeing, well, I don't know. Let, let's get into our first impressions and then we can talk about them more later. Um, first impression. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect with the show a little bit. I'll say. And I, the, you know, this was a, I, I like some of the vulnerability we kind of see with Loki here. We get a little more on him and like we get a little more like just one-on-one -on -one with Loki. Uh, he's always like, you know, a secondary character in every movie, uh, but always like a really feature one. And so it's cool to see him here. And I, I'm really excited for the show because much like WandaVision had a lot. I, it's I'm almost a little more excited for the show because I think this is going to have the potential to open up so much with just what the premise is like, I mean, it's literally, you know, time multiverse running. Uh, there's just so much that can come up in this stuff. So I think this is going to be big and that, that almost leads me to have high expectations for what we're going to see coming. And I'm trying to measure that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so far, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty good. Okay. So I went into this, I also trying to measure expectations because WandaVision sort of blew way past my expectations for it. And Captain uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think, met my expectations. So I didn't want to go into this like expecting it to be the best of the three or to be the best thing ever. And... I, I just went into it trying to measure my expectations because it felt like the most hype of the three so far. And I was watching it and I was enjoying myself. I was finding it to be, oh, this is very good place. E. Uh, I've heard comparisons to Beetlejuice as well with the sort of uh, like bureaucratic, almost afterlife type place. But I'll tell you, when we get the uh, the little animation that like basically breaks breaks down what the uh, place is, the TVA time variance. Yeah, but when we get that little animation with uh, Miss Minutes, I want to say, mm -hmm. as I was watching that, I just like got this smile on my face, just like th again with you thinking about how how much this show is going to have ripple effects like in terms of like the entire universe and all like the little thing, all the potential that this show has. And I found myself getting really excited and my excitement didn't go away the rest of the episode. And I just found myself loving this so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty much in accord. We usually are in accord with how I feel about episodes. I will say, I wasn't uh, like I thought it was a good episode also and but there's something it, it didn't have like a ton of wow factor to say I think you know say so WandaVision again and those are the easiest things that we can compare this to it's just the other two Marvel TV shows that have yeah. come out um, WandaVision comes in almost where like I, I was underwhelmed by the first episode of WandaVision I think yeah. everybody kind of was like 
you know, clearly there's more to it and it had, it, it was important as a setup, but it was underwhelming. The first episode of, uh, uh Falcon and winter soldier was honestly pretty like, I think that was an excellent episode. I remember being underwhelmed by the first episode. I liked the first episode. Um, and this one here was again, it was good setup, but also again, nothing crazy, you know, exciting here happened. So, I'm looking forward to like seeing some more stuff start pop, like really going down, seeing Loki be some kind of like time agent. Keep in mind the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a third of that episode was getting a loan subplot. <laughs> I still liked it. Yeah, I like I liked parts of it. Mm-hmm. I, I would say of the three pilots, I think the Falcon one was the weakest because the WandaVision one, I get like for you, it was underwhelming, mm. but like I watched it and I was thoroughly delighted. And it's also short. Like mm. you can't be that upset with it. Like if you consider that the first two WandaVision episodes were basically the premiere mm. and by the end of the second episode there, there's more intrigue and we get the color coming in. Yeah, I think that that, as a premiere of two episodes is a more fair comparison to the other two. I'd say of the three, this is my favorite mm-hmm. thus far, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, all right. So recap, uh, the movie starts right where we are at the end of the first Avengers movie and where we are halfway through Endgame, uh, yep. where, uh, Loki's been apprehended at the battle of, uh, at the end of the Battle of New York, he's being taken down, and we see the events of Avengers Endgame, where they are, you know, executing the time heist and fail, and we see Loki get hold of Tesseract and phase out. Yep, teleport, and he ends up in the Gobi Desert. Yeah, uh, and was approached by some, you know, denizens of that area, uh, and uh, can't even speak their language. You know, he goes, he starts to like monologue to them and everything. One thing I want to, I know that I liked about that, that uh, scene is that you're seeing everything actually from a different, slightly different perspective. You're not seeing it from the Avengers Endgame perspective where we're looking at it as the, uh, you know, the Avengers going back doing the time heist. You're seeing it basically from Loki's perspective as he's looking around, only sees the back of the guy that takes the case, sees it slide up to him. It's, it's a slightly different perspective and I kind of like that. It's not just a literal like, you know, us watching the same thing again. It's weird because I felt like it was almost verbatim, like because I felt like you got a little bit of Loki's perspective in Endgame. Like you see him like noticing things, but I I, I agree. It, it's good that they put it in there, but it did just feel like, oh, just in case you forgot. This is this is the setup. Yeah. I like it. I mean, there's a couple little things that they did that that made it more like from his perspective that it's not like we're, we weren't, we don't even see them I, like uh, approach and engage the distraction that occurs there. It I basically see, skips to him. I don't think distracted. they're the thing is, I don't think there are new scenes. I think it's just re-edited. Yeah. I, I think I they're so like, I don't remember in Endgame him in like the elevator. He like waves at the Hulk. I don't remember him doing that. And then when we see, we see uh the like basically who's Tony inside of that, um, uh, like the the outfit, the disguise he's wearing when he walks over the thing. When we see that, we see we ha- we see his face. It shows us his face as he's walking away with the package. And this one, we only see a guy walking away, having grabbed it. And I, I look at that as like Loki 
looking at yeah. some stranger who just grabbed that case and is walking away with it. But as we see, he recognized Tony's cologne. Yeah. Um, oh, but, just, yeah. Yes. But yeah, so he's in the desert. Uh, people there. He doesn't speak their language. And he sees the Tesseract. And at that point, he he's also sees some strange people basically teleport in and start um, uh, saying stuff about uh, time variances and stuff. And they, one of the, uh, who we find out are called hunters, comes up to him and basically tells him that he's more or less under arrest and to come along, uh, try to not resist and to just accept his arrest or what have you. And he's like, I'm a, god and all that sort of stuff and you don't want to mess with me and she hits him with this thing that like makes him slow down but she says but you're still feeling it in real time this like pain and it's just like this little cool moment it's just the first glimpse into what these people can do and they put like a collar on him and they take him with them into the tva and once they get in there, they basically force him into uh, a processing. They, you know, take his stuff. Uh, they literally zap his clothes away. They uh, they take the Tesseract mm-hmm. and give it to uh, this, like, office worker guy mm-hmm. to, like, they say to put with evidence or what have you. Yeah. It's like, and it's funny, they just literally hand it off. Like, it's ultra powerful artifact, you know, literal infinity stone, and they just hand it to some office worker guy. It's the Tesseract. That sounds dumb. <laughs> um yeah they, they push loki through processing zap all of his clothes away put him into a new jumpsuit his fine him, as guardian leather his fine as guardian leather uh, and uh you know drop him in to, to sign a this is everything you ever said uh, a stack of papers that are apparently everything he's ever said he goes through a little uh thing that detects whether or not he's a robot mm-hmm. if he was a robot it would like basically liquefy him but he's not a robot i just want to say the, the stack of papers, I have to believe that for a person, any person, unless that is like I looked at what it said on that, that page because it did say what. Right. And there was like a whole there's a bunch of space in between there. Right. Maybe it's a lot tighter with like all the other things he might have said. But assuming that there's like a date stamp on everything, I feel like if it was literally everything that in ancient hundreds, thousands of years old like you know godish like alien figure man i i feel like his stack of paper should have been way bigger right i think i it, it it's it's a little thing i yeah i think i don't want to get that that's kind of <laughs> i don't know i think his paper a stack of paper should be way bigger ridiculous you're doing it wrong disney i'm already done with the series so anyways, they finish processing him and they plunk him into this room with one other guy. They're told to take a ticket. The, uh, the first guy doesn't take one. Loki takes one. And that's when we get the uh, the informative uh, video with uh, Miss Minutes breaking down the TVA and how once all, there was this battle for over timelines that almost led to the destruction of everything. But then these uh, three what do they call them? Like timekeepers, the three timekeepers, these like ancient beings or what have you. We really don't know what they are. Uh, they came together to uh, basically decide on the, the 
correct timeline, the pure timeline, the sacred timeline, the sacred timeline, and uh, so and they form the TVA to basically keep that timeline going. And so, and here's the interesting thing: like when we got through Endgame, I we we were under the impression that hey, this other timeline that they messed up. That's that's this new timeline. They're going to be doing some other stuff. We I, I was definitely left Endgame having the wondering what happens with that other timeline. Like, I wonder what that world's going to be like. Basically, here it's sort of revealed, implied that that timeline, once the Avengers finish what they're doing, was reset and doesn't exist. Yeah, or it exists only as the past of the single sacred timeline. That basically, like, they're... There isn't a multiverse. Multiverses are like prohibited from happening and they they like maintain that there's just one main timeline. Because a multiverse would cause madness. Oh, indeed. Yes. Hmm. The little that little note. I like I said, like when I was watching that little thing, I got like a smile on my face when they like talked about how the multiverse caused madness. I'm like, dude. Oh boy. <laughs> but so we see, you know, we we get the end of this like you know, little cartoon that explains all this stuff, and Loki's like, oh, "What is this? This is all like a joke or something." And and he gets an example of the guy that didn't take a ticket arguing with one of the hunters, and the hunter literally just taps him with his baton and phases him into nothing, like literally just melts him, yeah. destroyed, utterly. And so Loki kind of shapes up, takes his ticket, goes up there, and is well brought, brought before a judge. Yeah, he's brought before a judge. But I think we're getting some. Um, uh, there's oh, like some. Oh yeah. yes, actually. So here, here's the interesting thing. After right after this scene, that's when we get title sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh, so we get the Loki, uh, which is just like phasing through different fonts of the mm-hmm. different letters, and then we get to see uh, Owen Wilson playing uh, Mobius. Yes, Agent Mobius. Agent Mobius. Which, if you recall, uh, Mobius strip is the the shape which was necessary an inverted mobius strip was a shape ne- necessary to make the time travel gps that tony stark used uh in endgame um i don't I, like a mobius strip i think it's like a it's like an it's like a it's like infinity a, yeah it's like an infinity uh like loop sort of like thing yeah um yeah but we see Agent Mobius, and he's like in some ancient, like, f- like French, uh, like a cathedral. cathedral. Yeah. yeah, where we're seeing a scene of like other hunters kind of commenting, like, you know, hey, we got another one that's been lost. Like all these guys are dead, yada yada. And uh, you know, he he talks to like a child, and the child he's like he's like, hey, who did this? The child points Lily at one of the the stained glass windows of, of the devil of the devil, and you know. And we can see that there's some kind of like plot going on here. Like somebody's apparently attacking some of these Minutemen, the hunters, and slaying them. And so there's a mystery going on. And Mobius is supposed to figure it out. And he's brought a file uh, that someone wants him to look at. And uh, we see that it is our Loki that we've been following. And he, um, uh, he, he has reset charges placed on this little timeline. So... This little kid he's been talking to is about to be reset. Mm-hmm. That that's what I think that's one of the things that I find so fascinating is like how casually they're just like, "Hey, this this little timeline, it's not supposed to be like this, so we're just done with it." Everyone mm-hmm. here, don't worry, your real selves are going to be fine, but we're done here. Yeah. It yeah, it it does beg a question. I'm like, well, "What is 
what is real, right? Like, because one timeline is more valid, does that make like these other people existing in a multiversal timeline less valid? Like, are they not a real, you know, human soul in that one? Are there more than one soul? Is it the same soul? Are those souls equal and equivalent? What does it feel like to be reset? <laughs> does it, yeah, does it hurt? Is it nothing? Does your, uh, does your main self have any indication that it happened? Probably not because you've been reset. Probably every, every time there's a variance, you've been reset. <laughs> mm -hmm. But anyways, we get back to Loki. Uh, on uh, trial. Yeah, on trial for crimes against the sacred timeline where mm -hmm. it was revealed. He, he basically says, it's not me. It's the Avengers that did it. And the judge says, well, no, the Avengers are supposed to do that. Yeah. You weren't supposed to leave, steal the Tesseract and uh, hop away. Mm -hmm. He he did something bad. They're okay. Yeah. And he attempts to uh, use his magic to get away. And they basically laugh at him like, your magic won't do any good here. Yeah. And yeah, basically, I mean, he ends up being sentenced at first to be reset, which I assume is basically phased, melted, you know, into non-existence. Mm -hmm. But Agent Mobius is there and he stops him and says, hey, let me let me take him, you know, like, let me use him, basically. Uh, let me let me talk to him. I, I might be able to do something with him. Hey, guys. Wow. <laughs> hey, guys. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You're really just going to reset him like that? <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Mobius saves the day. Uh, takes uh, Loki, uh, basically walks him through the TVA. We get the our first sight of outside of this building we've been in to this like, like large spacious place. It's, where it's like an infinitely large. It's like massive. It, it goes on forever, basically. And there's like floating, flying vehicles and like impossible structures. And Loki's like, "You said there's no magic," and he's and uh, Mobius says there is no magic. And this is all real. And Loki, Loki is continuously like, mm, something ain't right here. This is mm. an illusion. This is fake. Yeah. And he's brought along to this room. Uh, it's, it's basically like a, like a viewing room. Yeah, basically. And he basically Mobius begins to show him the real of his own life. Uh, you know, up to like he says, you know, he, he describes that as the greatest hits of his life. Well, so. Ba at first Mobius basically tries to like break him down or yeah. just like it's almost like a therapy session we're getting mm -hmm. where he's basically trying to get at who Loki is he asks mm -hmm. him does he enjoy hurting people and uh what he he's like oh so you're a god of mischief you, a lot of the things you do don't seem very mischievous to me they just seem cool mm -hmm. yeah and he's really just you know, he's really kind of digging into him and trying to you know get him to admit something almost and you know, say like, you know, do you like hurting people? He, he keeps repeating some of the questions and is trying to like figure something out here. Um, what the first, the first ex example, he basically pulls up in his like uh, flashback timeline that he shows him is uh, something we haven't seen before is uh, him. Basically, Loki was apparently DB Cooper. Yeah. And uh, was the guy on the plane took the money. And the reason he was never found is because he got a, uh, rainbow bridged out out of there <laughs> out of the sky yeah <laughs> which is i mean which, which is a, just a fun little thing and i am expecting to see more of that yeah like i'm expecting that's gonna be like oh loki was also this you know crazy person from x period in history it's funny like going into that scene i feel like i had heard casually something about db cooper being in this 
are being referenced in this but like when like when you have like the lady going up to him calling him mr cooper i like it it it, it slowly picked up until like he put on like the shades and i was like oh db cooper i get it yeah and it was a fun little thing i i totally i did not hear anything about this db cooper thing and when it started coming up he's like on an airplane I'm like what are we watching like is this this isn't in any movie like and it just kept unfolding and i did not even really notice them calling him mr cooper like and, and it wasn't literally until he was like i'm you know i have a bomb and i'm like i want this money and then like leaps out of the thing i was like what what is this yeah and then and then he you know makes it makes it clear like you you're db cooper i'm like what the f-? like what a <laughs> random thing to have in here <laughs> Hey, but it's still fun. I like it. Yeah. Presumably, if you don't know who D.B. Cooper is, there's I'm I'm sure there's videos online. I recommend uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved's episode on D.B. Cooper. That's how I know about it specifically. But yeah, he it's like a funny little thing. This guy, we don't know what happened to him. So assuming it's the God of Mischief, I I, Mm -hmm. that's as reasonable an explanation as any. Yeah, certainly. Um, but so he, I mean, he goes past this DB Cooper kind of, uh, you know, thing and he even brings up, uh, that, you know, in an attempt to really get back at his brother and lead these people that are breaking into Asgard during the events of, uh, Thor, the dark world, uh, he, you know, gives him directions to try and find Thor and ends up sending those, uh, you know, the, the monsters, the dark elves to kill his mother. Yeah, so we see him we see him replay one his speech in Avengers, then we see him play the interaction between him and his mom at the beginning of Thor the Dark World where he says you're not my mother and like the sort of like the he just mm-hmm. to give him the context of that before he sends the dark elves to kill his mom and he and uh mobius is quite uh direct with it at some point he's like you killed your mother and this elicits a reaction in loki where he tries to attack oh we're also skipping over the fact that the collar that he has around his neck allows mobius to basically reset him back to a previous point um anytime he wants so if loki tries to attack him he gets reset back to like a specific location Mm -hmm. he remembers everything up to him being reset but he's just back to where he was yeah it's like a you know it's something to keep him in line like they can just twist time back on him um but yeah it elicits a response and he ends up getting like knocked down basically to the floor um and like this reset or altercation yeah and uh you know mobius offers him a hand helps him up um, and then some hunters show up and are like, Hey, something, I, what, I can't remember exactly what happened. Like some hunters show up and they're like, what's going on? And, you know? Well, one, I think they, they said that there were more bodies, but also the hunter lady just thinks that he's wasting his time with the, with this variant Yeah, and basically gets him out of the room long enough mm-hmm. that Loki's able to, uh, sneak out. Yep, sneak out. Uh, because when he helped him up, he basically like you know pocketed the device the, needed to. Get it's away. like a remote control for the yeah, for the caller, I believe. Yes. Um, but so he gets out, and Loki immediately goes looking for the tesseract, and he finds office guy. Yeah. And uh, is like, show me that the the blue thing. Like you know, there's a funny like thing where we're getting an idea about apparently the people that work here. They they don't have any concept of what what things that like. A fish like he had no idea what a fish was. I'm going to gut you like a fish. What's a fish? <laughs> yeah, what's a fish? I just want to understand what kind of threat I'm under. Like, you know, 
I, I, I thought that interaction was kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. Uh, I've seen that guy in other TV shows. And so I, I, I think he's funny whenever I've seen him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he ends up, you know, opening up his little like, like, what is it? Like his wheeling trolley thing and goes to hand him the Tesseract. And Loki looks in this box and with the Tesseract is literally multiple infinity, you know, infinity stones. stones, like multiple of the same one too, just all laying there. Yeah, some of the guys use them as paperweights. Some yeah. of them. Mm. Yeah, and and this is like a moment, like like kind of a, a big shock for Loki and for us as a audience, where we're like, all right, now we see what like the, these guys are literally beyond. I've heard that this everything. is. I've heard this moment's a bit divisive. Some people mm-hmm. feel that it sort of undercuts what we've gotten beforehand. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, I don't think it. I don't think it undercuts what we've seen before. I think it just serves to show how powerful this place is, how serious this like this is above everything we've seen before. Yeah. And and uh, this is something I, I want to get to when we, later is that this whole show is like this whole show is really setting an entire new level for what we're going into in the future of the MCU. Um, and be, I want to talk about this more later once we get to the, the end. Um, but so he sees all these in here and this was like, kind of like a coming to like a big realization for him where he already was like, sort of like, wow, this place is kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't actually even like, how can you, know, I'm a God, like, how can you talk to me like this? I don't care. He looks out the window. He's like, this is, this is, this isn't real. Like, what is this? You know? And, and when he's holding the Tesseract in his hand and he's not able to use it, like the power of the Tesseract is squashed by this place. He basically says out loud, is this the greatest power in the universe? And the office guy is just like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so they, the, uh, you know, the, the hunters find Loki there after ca- getting yeah. the Tesseract. And he uses his time, the time twister to basically reset himself all the way back to the room that he was in before. Um, the, you know, the viewing room again. And now that he's in here, he takes the time. He he realizes that the basically the viewing device is still there. So he decides to keep going through his timeline. He sees his mom, um, uh, like the last stuff he gets to see of his mom. He fast forwards to see the passing of his father. Uh, he sees some scenes of him and Thor in Thor Ragnarok, basically reconciling to some degree and we see like on loki's face like he's going through a lot of emotions like he's Mm -hmm. in tears about his dad passing away um he's um like touched by seeing him and his brother like sort of reconciling and then we see him on thanos's ship (laughs) yeah and man that is like an epic one to watch because we have him like seeing you know the the scene that we see in Endgame, you're like, you'll, you'll never be a god. And then we don't see it. We hear it. We hear it. Yeah, just oh. like <laughs> subtitles, bones. Yeah, cracking. yeah, yeah. Subtitles, bones snap or whatever. It was, yeah, it was definitely like, and, and his face, his reaction was just excellent. Like, I love that acting like was, was like, imagine literally watching your own self, really yourself have your neck snapped, like in front of you on a TV. Like, it's when when they cast Tom Hiddleston ten years ago, they they did a good job. Yeah, um, and yeah, so I mean, he he basically watches all these events, and it really just like I mean, it, it impacts him. And uh, to a degree, I feel like we get essentially um, 
like now this Loki, who is a variant, who is the information he has is is essentially five Earth years old. Um, because we're talking Battle of New York. He, he literally stepped out of the Battle of New York and then is going forward. So what we would have had is Loki with none of the growth and nuance of Thor: The Dark World, Ragnarok. You know, this is a convenient way to try and get this Loki up to the emotional maturity and depth that we had in our Loki. Yeah, before he died. Yeah, what I'm I'm hoping though is that they don't like use this as an as like a hand wave of like, oh, okay, cool. This one knows everything. Like, I I feel like I want to see that this Loki is still not the one that went through all that. And and there should be still some la- like I don't know maybe maybe even this whole experience of coming to the TVA is supposed to be a humbling moment like he had like that Loki was always like I'm a I'm a god and I deserve to be the king of like Earth and the universe and things uh, even in, we might have even skipped over this that in this conversation Mobius was asking him what what's your plan what what's your plan if you go back right he's like well I'm gonna take over and be the you know like the the king of Earth and he's or like okay well, what Midgard. about that. Yeah, King and of then King of Asgard in the Nine Realms. Well, how about King of Space? Yeah, would you like that, Loki? And yeah. then at that point, Loki's like, "Are you are, are you mocking me?" And in a way, he kind of was because, like, from the perspective of someone in the TVA, space is like this. It it's big, but it's still small. It's still like, but it is, yeah. I mean, to, to we have to imagine we've seen we've seen them basically use these reset charges, right? And we have to imagine it's these charges, right? Have to be like essentially the most powerful thing you can imagine because it literally like basically melts an entire universe, an entire multiverse, like a, like a branch off of our main timeline. It's a whole nother universe, really. And and so this charge literally just destroys an entire universe. That's basically what it is. It's like a black hole de- ultra destroyer thing. Yeah. Like, but it looks like simpler. Like it's only destroying that moment, but it's not. It's destroying an entire universe that existed in in tandem. So I can't. Uh, I, I think like all these events are supposed to humble Loki and basically take him from the I want to. I'm supposed to be the god, the king. I deserve all these things, and basically say like you are you are now beyond the considerations of of being a king of Midgard and all these things. And and all, all these events are supposed to lead up to that. So I think and, there is good reason for us to to see a Loki that's supposed to be kind of a, what you said, the emotional maturity of the Loki that dies in Endgame. But yeah, it's still a different Loki, though. But with this scene happening and Loki seeing what is pretty traumatic, seeing your death and then seeing file ended, the hunter we've been following uh, that's been uh, sort of against Loki this whole time walks in and Loki basically says at this point that he's found his glorious purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a little tussle between the two because instead of her pruning him, which I mean, I guess it's good uh, because he, um, uh, Mobius asked for him not to be reset. So she doesn't do that immediately, but because she doesn't, he's able to get the 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 collar onto her, and which now means that he can like reset her. Yeah, we can see him playing around with it a little bit, and we can see he's able to hold her, like remove her for an extended period of time. Which when when Moby when uh, Loki had the collar on, we never saw him gone for more than like a blink. But he's able to like have her removed for an extended period of time. Yeah, which again, like it's it's almost simple, but like it attests like how powerful 
these devices are. I mean, it's literally, it's basically saying like, I'm going to, I'm, uh, it's not holding her. It's just saying that it's going to drop her into a different place in time. Yeah. Uh, in the timeline that she's already been, because it's twisting essentially. I, what I understand is it's twisting their, their timeline so far, like whatever they've done, it's just reversing them all the way back to a spot in their time. As we have Mobius say in the episode prior to this time works differently in the TVA. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is weird and, and it just shows like, yeah, this, this whole place is above and all their devices are literally beyond powerful. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just twist your entire being back to a different point in time. But he uses this to get the hunter out of the room. And after not too long, Mobius comes in and strikes back up the conversation and Loki sort of, uh, after all this, he admits that he doesn't like hurting people. And that it's all basically he does the things he does in an attempt to feel more powerful, feel in control when a lot of the time he doesn't. Yeah, it's it's like a really interesting psychological catharsis that Mobius brings out in him. And I think the purpose is that Mobius is like, I need you to like get past your own thing. I need to understand your psychology and, and perhaps it's well, basically through this you know, Loki comes out and says this and Mobius is like, great. Hey, how about you do something that's actually important? Okay. All that other shit, not important, but you can help me do something that's better than, you know, I can't give you salvation, but I can give you something better. We're tracking down a variant, a dangerous variant. And Loki says, and you need the God of mischief to help. Yes, we do. Well, why? Because the variant is you Loki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we end the episode with a, uh, with seeing some hunters touch down in a, uh, where is it? It's like, it's like Oklahoma or something. Yeah. But like 1858. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they're, they're basically doing their hunter stuff. They detect the variants and they're getting ready to set a reset charge, but then they see a figure and they go to investigate it. And when they do the figure cat, like lights a fire and it, turns out that the hunters were standing on like basically like uh i don't know oil oil soaked uh field yeah um, and so they all catch fire and the reset charge that they had prepared is left behind and left behind with a cloaked figure who we can only presume is the loki variant yeah and they take it um and we already heard that they had taken multiple charges before which is like again the idea that like someone has more than one of these charges i'm like what 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 can you do with more than one of these charges? Like, I mean, with one charge, you could reset the main, the sacred timeline. Yeah. I just, I can't even, it, it seems like a little, uh, yeah, these things are like beyond powerful. And they ima- imagine that there's a variant crossing timelines that can, that has multiple of them. is just like a little crazy. So, so th- basically this alone sets the stakes for this series, the highest of any, technically speaking, this is the highest stakes of any, marvel property thus far in a way yeah i mean so okay you know let's move into like some of the talking points here is that so what the tva uh, there's like a a few things to go over kind of here the tva yeah is a big deal the tva is is basically set to be they are beyond the universe powerful like and that's to say because okay one thing we see is that their flaw is that the fact that the hunters are like incredibly fallible right they're not like ultimate super trains. Like they're clearly essentially on the same physical prowess as Loki because they have a tussle and it's of equal fight. And we know that Loki is above normal human prowess. So we know that yeah. they are, are not 
human uh, in their regular capabilities, but they are also not like they're not like supremely powerful. The the just the regular ones. Of them. Yeah. So I. It's a question that I'm going to have of whether or not they are going to go into the details of like who these people, members of the TVA, other than the timekeepers are, or if it's better to just not sweat those details. I I could see them giving the details, but I don't think it's necessary. I think we sort of like implicitly understand, like like in Star Wars, humans exist anywhere in the galaxy. Yeah. They're all like any person that's not an alien mm -hmm. is a human in star wars and we just sort of wave it off like all right so like asgardians are more powerful than humans these things are maybe more powerful than asgardians yeah but it's 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 just crazy that the tva is they they have a power that is beyond the universe but they also have elements of it that are very much like you know within within the normal function of the universe almost like again so, basically like you know regular human-ish you know, as guardian level physical prowess, but like, you know, also regular human like intelligence. I brought it up earlier. The comparison to Beetlejuice and Good Place, it's hard to miss. Mm -hmm. It's because it's it's not just the this uh, other world that's it, this isn't an afterlife like those are, but it's this bureaucratic look at this all powerful uh, out of our world place that makes things it makes the place seem so banal when really it's something so crazy yeah it makes it more accessible to us though yeah and so i think it's a very good device in like all of the, the two things that i'm comparing it to beetlejuice and the good place those are great both of those great mm -hmm. great movie great show so to have that comparison and to see this basically type of uh idea being used i think it's well it's it's a good idea to use a bureaucratic like powerful place and i think they are using it well yeah i i i think it is interesting and i like want to see more of it explored and uh, it, again, it's just a like it's like a juxtaposition of like the simplicity and how like everything like you know they're just walking around these things, but it is like they're, it's like all powerful. We, we yeah. see that they are like an all powerful like beyond any universal like simple power, and how I mean uh, like that being tampered with like is I mean is like uh, could be ultimately destructive. Uh, the, again, like you said, if, if you just took some of these reset grenades back to a point in the sacred timeline could you just re reset the entire second could you blink all of existence out like could could the tva reset the re existence if it wasn't because they seem to exist outside of it right wherever they are is not within the normal you know bounds of the sacred timeline we have to assume so i i don't yeah yeah a lot of these things we're gonna see coming up what I kind of want to talk about right now is in this in this introductory episode we're being introduced to the TVA. We're also being introduced to characters. I don't know how much each of these characters are going to how big a role they're all going to play, but let's let's kind of talk about this cast because another thing, I think that this is a pretty solid cast we have going. Like mm -hmm. obviously Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, Honestly, like when you see Owen Wilson, you're just like, oh, yeah, they cast Owen Wilson. Like it, it's like a famous guy they put in. But he's doing a good job. Yeah. Like him, like him and Tom Hiddleston, like those scenes, like a lot of it's just talking and it's 
very engaging. Yeah, absolutely. It, they have a, a genuine rapport that they're displaying or that's being built before us with these two. And I, I, I don't, I really, I really like it. He does. Owen, well, he does this. He has this way of being, it's like he's being condescending to Loki, but it doesn't come across as it feels genuine, but the mm-hmm. like the things he's saying are kind of condescending, mm-hmm. but he feels like he's being trying to be genuine yeah. in the things he's saying. Yeah. Like he's just, he just happens to be part of a, a group that is all powerful. So yeah. the things he's saying are accurate, yeah. but it comes across a little condescending, but the way he says it mm-hmm. sort of makes it like he doesn't come across that way. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's playing a guy that's trying not to talk down to someone that is basically nothing to him. Like, I mean, like genuinely, or it's, it, it is a weird concept. Like you have to understand, think of the psychology of what we know about Mobius so far is that he's part of this all knowing thing where he resets reality is like nothing. Like, right. He sees T like variants of, of all kinds of different things. Like, right. He, it's, it's always not the first time seeing some sort of powerful being become a variant and then just having to go apprehend them, reset them and destroy that, that thing. So it, he, yeah, what you're describing is, it, it's just interesting. I think, I, I just think Owen Wilson's doing a great job playing it. I think it's easy to make fun of Owen Wilson. It's not like he's been in a lot of super dramatic roles where he had to like, well, he, ha- he, he has had dramatic roles. I just don't think that they're the sh- movies that a lot of people think of. Mm-hmm. Like there's some Woody Allen movie he was in that I think people like mm-hmm. uh, midnight in Paris, I want to say, but uh, yeah, so he's a good actor. Like, mm-hmm. like, of course, like he's, he can do dramatic things, but it, it's something that you sort of forget about sometimes because he's just like a celebrity. So you don't think about like how casually good he is. Mm-hmm. And he it, it just like I forgot he was Owen Wilson watching the show. Yeah. And that is that is a good thing. And so uh, the other two like ca- the other two people that we get a, a little bit of uh, we brought uh, reference the hunter and uh, the office worker. So the Hunter, I mean, it just says on Wikipedia, Hunter B-15, played by uh, Wunmi Mosaku, who I reckon, I recognized her but couldn't place her. And I later recognized that she was in Lovecraft Country, if you watch that on HBO. She's really good in that. So I like when I recognized her, I was like, OK, so she's going to play a role. And so I, I, I liked seeing her. But that office worker whose name in the show is Casey played by Eugene Cordero. I've seen him. I've seen him like in a few things. Most notably, I can think of him being in the good place where he has a smaller role, but he's very funny in that. And so I, I don't know how much they're going to use him in this, but he, he makes, he's a very funny guy from anything I've seen him in. So I'm, I I like the casting in this show they're making interesting casting choices and I'm I I'm very ready to see this keep going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get back to Loki for a second because I want to talk about you know basically his progression in this episode and how I mentioned at the beginning glorious purpose and how through this episode it's all turned on its head, right? That that Loki starts this episode in that place he was in, in New York with this this massive ego that he like I deserve to literally take over Midgard and that the Avengers can't beat me and all these things that I'm above I'm a god constantly you know even even when he died he you know saying you'll never be a god right yeah. he's a god and he's above most things even even to the point of people that are more powerful than him 
that you know clearly the TVA are displaying that they're more powerful. He's in custody and he still doesn't give them any respect or or like you know allow them. He he speaks down to them even as they are literally putting him on trial. Yeah, even as they've displayed that they can just zap him, they can just reset him. Yeah, and so and we see him recognize several times like he has fear in many points, like mm-hmm. when he's walking through the thing that would reset him if he was a robot. He's afraid in that moment mm-hmm. when he's in the ticket line and he sees the guy without a ticket get zapped. He mm-hmm. frantically reaches for his ticket and he's like, I, I have my ticket. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating that in that conversation with Mobius, he really does reveal, he says, you know, like fear, fear is an, an illusion. And if you can wield fear against others, you can create the illusion that you don't have it. When it really basically and he's like, I'm afraid, like I'm afraid that I am too weak. And that is why I do these things so that people will not understand that I am afraid that I, I create. And, you know, that's that's what it all is, an illusion. And then we've seen him say that basically he said that all of you people are, are under an illusion. You're trying to you know not allow people. And he's projecting. He's yeah, just- it was. So we we get him basically giving uh, like we see him give the speech. In Avengers, and we see him give another thing where he's basically breaking down how everyone lives under the illusion of uh, of uh, self direction and freedom, and then that is not good. And really, when we see him like giving this stuff, we're now framing it to look at him. Mm-hmm. Like before, like before in Avengers, when he's saying that, we're seeing him basically basically saying this in like a sort of almost fascistic kind of way, but now it's really like being directed at himself. And it's such a nice juxtaposition to basically, before he breaks down and recognizes that he's talking about himself, we're able to recognize that he's talking about himself. And to see him being able to admit that by the end of the episode shows that sort of emotional arc that they're able to achieve in one episode which hey that's something i think then they do it really effectively right they literally give him a moment of psychological catharsis like he he has all these things that come into him and all the questions that Mobius like mobius knew what he was doing and we didn't even understand why he was asking those questions i think at first but when it comes when we when we see the end result where loki breaks down and admits mobius probably knew all along almost he wanted to get loki to admit it and if he could admit it then he knew that like, okay, I can use this Loki. Like this Loki understands like the importance of the sacred timeline to, to degree that it's more important to help me right now find and beat him. Like he he's humbled himself before the power that is all this. Yeah. And, and I think it was important that he did that before he engaged him to basically go after himself. Otherwise that Loki, you know, the, the Loki that thinks that he's above everything would basically, no, I'm not going to help you. Why would I help you do anything? Like I, well, he had to break him. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and I like that they did that because it, it actually speaks a lot about most people, right? Most people, we take of like the things that we be, like believe about ourselves that we understand psychologically about ourselves, all the, the paradigms that we built in our heads and we apply them to the world around us. Like we see our life through our own lenses and that's how we believe everything. It's really those same rules that we apply to ourselves. Loki applies this idea of like fear and the illusions that you create to be able to get through and like convince other people. And he applies it to everything. He believes that that is what everybody does. They all create illusions or live under illusions because he does. Yes. And it really speaks to people. It's like a moment of like, look at yourself. Like the things you believe about the, the world are really like the things that you believe about yourself. And, and in, in the eyes of like people that are, are, you know, in better places than you or have objective, I mean, basically Mobius is an objective point of view, like the most objective, like outside of the literal universe, looking at Loki being like, 
tell me, do you like, you know, why do you do all this? Like, yeah. really? And, and in the end, he's like, I do all this because the things I say are really about me. And it's a good, good moment of like, look at yourself, I think, in some ways. Um, and that's that it was so nuanced and so like interesting. I'm like, like, this is deep. That's that was very deep. See, and this is me getting at, I said earlier, I think this is the strongest of the three pilots for the three, uh, MCU Disney plus shows. And what's more is after the end of this episode, I don't know what this show is going to look like still. Like I had a feel by the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, what we are going to get going forward. I had a feel somewhat by the end of uh, WandaVision, the first two, what we're getting going forward. I don't know what this show is really going to look like, to be honest, because this whole episode is sort of just focused around this uh, and this initial uh, character arc for Loki, this, this uh, psychological change for him. Mm -hmm. And so it's i'm very fascinated and it it basically gave me so much that i want to know and told me so it took it tells us a lot but it tells us a little and it just makes me so excited to see more of this yeah absolutely um oh one thing i have this is like another little theory i want to throw out there right is that so when you see loki see himself die right not only is he like, is there like a look of like fear or terror and like revulsion, but there's also a look of like anger and, and almost like this, like, I feel like I thought I saw like, like in his face, like this face of like revenge. And I, I have this like inkling that at one point Luke Loki is going to, this is like basically theory for the later part of the, the, the show. Loki is going to try and use the, some sort of authority over going through time with Mobius to like try and go strike at Thanos. Or, or something like that. Like, he's going to go try and, like, get revenge on the guy that killed him in the main timeline uh, somehow. You know, even to the, the degree of, like, you know, fucking the timeline up. I, I think he's still going to be, have this, he's just going to, the ego or the something, you know, of, of understanding, like, this guy killed me is, is going to make, drive him to, I, I have, like, a theory that that might happen. Or he might try and divert, like, he's going to build up enough trust with Mobius to keep going these little missions and then, like, you know, break the rule and, and go do something on his own like that. I definitely think Loki's going to have some uh, some ulterior ulterior motives going forward, because even like even when we had him and Thor reconciling in Thor Ragnarok, he was still doing devious things. Yeah. Like he still stole the uh, was it the Tesseract that he no, not the Tesseract to say he didn't steal it, but he recovered it from the vault before Asgard blew up. Yeah, but he didn't tell Thor. Yeah, but he didn't tell Thor. He was going to hide it and keep it for himself. Yeah. Um, but so I, that's just like a little theory I had based on that thing I saw. Um, and then one thing I want to, you know, it's, it's like actually kind of a big deal. But a point I wanted to get to is the implications that just this one episode and what this series will have, like for the rest of the MCU. This this series is going to be more than anything what gives us the rest of phase four that we already know, like the titles of some of these episodes that we're talking about, like Ant-Man and the Wasp and quantum mania, uh, you know, Dr. Strange multiverse of madness. We, um, Spider-Man, uh, no way home, uh, where it's, uh, and, and we already have so much set up with WandaVision with the Scarlet Witch, who is a Nexus being. And we know that from like the Nexus commercial. We, it didn't really tell us much about that, but we, we looked it up and we understand that a Nexus being is a constant across all timelines, right? 
But it, apparently, in this MCU, uh, there's only one sacred timeline. All the other multiverses have been, you know, taken away. But, and, and so there's going to be something to do with her being a nexus, being a, being some kind of constant that will bring the multiverse of madness into a line. But, but this is where we're going to see the multiverse happen. Like, I think Loki is going to be a huge show where I, I think whatever the, the idea or, like, the goal of Mobius is here and bringing Loki in is going to fail. I think the sacred Probably. timeline is going to be busted and break into multiverses. And But here's the question. Do we get the multiverse here? Or does this basically give us the setup for the multiverse, the multiverse to occur in Doctor Strange? Either way, stuff's getting exciting. We have Loki. Then we have Black Widow. Then we have Spider-Man. Then we have Doctor Strange. And... I oh, we got a couple more things in between there. We got the Eternals and Shang Chi. I forgot about Eternals and Shang Chi. Yeah. There's really four movies this year. Yeah, all in the second half of the year. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I, we got all these TV shows in the front half. So <laughs> after a year of nothing, it's yeah. and uh, look, I I'm I'm actually quite excited for all of that. Uh, uh, Shang Chi. I I haven't seen any trailers or anything of Shang Chi. I don't know if there are trailers. There are. Yeah, they they release them and. uh I I generally don't try to look for trailers in general. Like if I see them in a movie theater, it's fine, but I'm not, I try to avoid looking at that. So Shang-Chi I'm sure is going to be really good. I I don't know how it's going to fit in timeline wise. Eternals. I'm very interested from uh, just Academy, just won an Academy award, Chloe Zhao for best director of Mm -hmm. uh, Nomadland directed uh, Eternals. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn, that's uh, that's. I mean, I'm looking for I, I, that. That makes me think some pretty good things. I don't have anything like I did look up some stuff on the Eternals, just to like have like what what is this even about? Um, it's got Angelina Jolie and a ripped uh, Kumail Nanjiani, and that's enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's just got like a, a pretty stacked uh, list of actors that are not you know they're foreign to the MCU currently, and uh, I mean, it looks like it's got some cool things going on. I I don't know what to expect from that, but I. I just expect greatness from the MCU now in general. But I I really see, look, maybe it's setting it up for failure, but I really see Multiverse of Madness just being like the next big event movie. Um, I, I, I want to say it's directed by Sam Raimi. I'm not certain about that. But if it is, that's exciting, especially because I'm pretty sure that this is a movie that's going to bring in uh andrew garfield and toby mcguire but is that the one or is it no way home see that's i i've heard differing stuff on that Mm -hmm. but i believe if you look up imdb they're listed in multiverse of madness yeah but so this this show the biggest thing about this show and i mean i I, we know that multiverse of madness and the different you know show movies we're going to get are are going to really capitalize on that but this show is going to set us up for where how do you beat Endgame, right? How do you beat, you know, Infinity War? How do you beat everything coming together to fight over the the Infinity Stones, which are the greatest powers in the universe, and and fighting Thanos, the you know the biggest bad blah 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 blah, right? How do you beat that? You beat it by going beyond universal power. You go into literally multiversal power. You like the, the powers that are beyond a single universe. Or like, you know, the clashing of literally multiple universes. Uh, yeah. I a see. universe where Tony Stark is still alive and Iron Man comes back in, you know, in three years and we see him in a movie fighting against our heroes because he thinks that his timeline where he's alive is the one that should be a thing. 
We'll see. I'm just saying, I'm like, that's, yeah. that's the kind of thing we could literally see. We could literally see, you know. I said it already. Technically speaking, this is the greatest threat to the multiverse that we've seen thus far. And you know what's interesting about it? Right now, the greatest threat to the multiverse is Loki. Mm-hmm. And the only, theoretically, the only person that can help protect it right now is Loki. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an aptly named show, and I'm excited to see more of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, we can uh, save it until the next episode when we actually get a little more and have some more to talk about. But otherwise, this is this episode has got a lot. Uh, you know, this this has set us up for a lot. And yes. yeah, can't wait to see the next one. I, I can't either. So uh, I think that's it. Yep. I guess we'll call it for today. So until next time, folks, this has been Robert and Ryan. Have a good one.